This is your pal Daffy Duck, and you're watching. You're watching. We're watching. You're watching Fanboy. 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 Fanboy, etc. Fanboy Nation. God, I assume Tom. This man has documented the life of the ultimate 90s fanboy who set indie films on fire with his movie Clerks 25 years ago and has now named the documentary Clerk Singular in support of Kevin Smith, the director himself, Malcolm Ingram. How are you today? Awesome, man. How are you? Dude, I can't complain. Listen, you gave us a two-hour documentary that felt like 45 minutes. Uh, people were scared that it was going to feel like you were filleting Kevin when in reality it's like a love story to his dad, his family, and the industry that he loved growing up so much. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't want to bore people, but <laughs> uh, yeah, we ended up telling this kind of really cool story about, you know, Kevin and his wife. I mean, it, we, I tried to kind of put as much in there as possible. Well, I, I loved what you did, man. I mean, you know, you hit you hit it on the head. You take us from 1988 all the way through today. Uh, you talk about his, his heart attack, his, his conversion to veganism, for, you know, because this is all documented in real time. Uh, Clerks itself and the work he did, chasing Amy and everything else. Um, I, I've interviewed Kevin once before. And it wasn't necessarily an interview. It was one question and a 45-minute lecture. Uh, how do you get Kevin to stop talking at some point? You don't. You use your editor. Like, that's what editing's all about. Like, look, Kevin, Kevin's a rock and sir. Kevin's a storyteller. Kevin knows the story he wants to tell. Like, you know, I mean, the fortunate thing is that Kevin gave me a lot of time, so... Like, you know, you would let him tell what he had to say, and if you needed to kind of, you know, if you needed to hear more, then you just, we didn't, we filmed a wall with him, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, I didn't want to, it's, having a conversation with Kevin as a friend is very different than him as a subject, of course. So, you know, I knew, like, as a subject, I know not to interrupt him. As a friend, you know what I mean? It's just kind of conversations back and forth. But Kevin knows, you know, Kevin knows the story behind everybody. I mean, he's incredibly um, talented at, you know, at, at talking. It's what he does so So it would be insane for me to kind of, you know, we talked before about what I want to tell. We always talk about what I want to cover, but there's no use me sitting there asking questions, but he, he knows what to do. He knows what to do. Is that hard, making a director and a filmmaker the subject of your documentary? Like, there has to be a part of him that wants to take over and go, no, I tell it like this, or I'd shoot it from from this angle, or get me from my left side, or any of that type of stuff. Never that. Like, he was, like, we all, look, we fought. We fought hard about one subject, and we fought for, we didn't talk for a year. Like, in, in, in production, we did talk for a year. Thing we put on this was Harvey Weinstein. Okay. And, uh, and it, I, want, I didn't want to put Harvey in, um, because I didn't feel that, like, like, I was making a very, you know, I was already fighting for an overlong documentary. The Harvey Weinstein thing is incredibly complicated. Right. Like, it, it's just kind of like, and, but I knew that Kevin's relationship wasn't complicated. Like, I know Kevin's, like, 
We all know that Harvey Weinstein was a piece of shit. We just didn't know what kind of piece of shit he was. Like, we knew that he was a scoundrel. We didn't know he was a rapist. Right. Like, and it's a huge job for scoundrel of a rapist. So, um, and like, I, I thought it problematic. I didn't want to breezily cover the Harvey Weinstein story. Like, I just like, I was telling this pretty straightforward, like, um, you know, my narrative was like, you know, a very simple, um, you know, narrative, but Kevin doesn't have a lot of controversy in his life, except that. So that's not Kevin's controversy, like, and I know Kevin's relation to it. So, uh, but Kevin really wanted to talk to everyone. He felt it was very important to the story. And, and like, I was dead set against it. So, you know, he, we both held our ground. And for a year we held our ground. Like, the Harvey Weinstein bit was filmed a year after everything else. And it's a tribute to Kevin. Like, finally, I was just like, fuck it. I will film it. And, like, and it was up to my editor. Like, the fact that that piece is in there is, like, a testament to my editor, Sean Stanley, and Kevin. I, I wanted nothing to do with it because I was just like, as a filmmaker, I can't consolidate. Like, I don't want to. I, 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 I didn't. I, I, I didn't want to disrespect the victim by briefly including this documentary. But Kevin um, said his piece, and it worked. Right. And you know what I mean. It, 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 it ended up working. So maybe it's you know maybe it's my problem as a filmmaker that. You know, I couldn't contextualize it, and I finally had to have Kevin do it. Well, but that the, was kind of, that was the problem. Well, there's the human side Sorry. of you that doesn't want to give any more you know, attention to this person and want him to rot in prison for the rest of his life and, you know, lock him away in, in some horrible Iron Maiden tower, you know, and let him burn in hell. But Kevin's like, look, this was the first 15 years of my life in, 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 as a filmmaker making this. You know, and I and I like the fact that he's donated the the rest of his residuals to women in film as kind of his own personal apology for not knowing that he was a rapist and just assuming that he was a philanderer. Like that's like the other one is a, it's a horrible story, and it's the one it's it's the one black mark. But like I like the thing about it is is that if I like if I didn't know Kevin. I would have, I would have been more calm, I would have spent more time on it. Mm-hmm. But like, it's, and again, I don't give a fuck, like, I, like, I'm worried about this, like, my concern, as Kevin did, it's the victim. Like, it's not about us, or, you know, whatever, it's, it's about the, you know, it's being respectful of the victim. And Kevin does feel that he has to voice himself, because, like, you know, he was around the guy. But like, again, like, it's not like, Ke- like, every, uh, Kevin wasn't one of the parties that Harvey Weinstein. Like, they weren't socially, you know, they weren't, he weren't socially in the same orbit. Right. So, like, Kevin worked for Harvey. Right. Like, Ke- a lot of people. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin seems like that guy, cause I've only had two interactions with Kevin. Like, he'll show up to the party for about 20 minutes, get really bored, and go, this really isn't my bag, and then bounce out. The funny thing is, he'll go to parties more now um, than ever. Like, the, the, the biggest problem was, like, back in the day, in the 90s, like, Kevin would get invited to everything. And I was always like, let's go. And they'd be like, why? I mean, I remember, like, the From Dawn premiere. 
Um, like, I really wanted to go. Um, I, like, I ended up, like, like, we were all getting drunk at Joey's house. And, and I, I went by myself. I literally took a car, went down to the fucking, like, went down to the premier party for some dust or gone. Like, you know, said hi to Quentin and everything. And it was just kind of like, what am I doing here? And I left. But it's, it's kind of like, yeah, Kevin, Kevin wasn't, but now he's, now he's, mad. but Stoner Kev is more open to kind of talking to people. He's more social. <laughs> a lot more, like, Stoner Kevin is a lot more social. Uh, with, with everything that's going on, you know, uh, with, with everything, I mean, 25 year anniversary of clerk, uh, of clerks with the documentary clerk as a part of it. Uh, you, the world premiere is now at South by Southwest. Um, you mentioned the other film festival that clerks first premiered at and got its big attention from and to hell with everybody else that didn't like mall rats. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Um, my friend introduced it to me on VHS when it first came out and he was like, dude, just check this out and keep paying attention to Shannon Doherty. Yeah. And we did. And that, that running visual gag was hilarious. Ethan Supley not being able to see the, uh, the magic image throughout the film was, was basically me because I could never see those stupid things and I blamed it on my stigmatism. <clears throat> so. You know, was this the plan to release it during the 25th anniversary or was this the whole notion of, you know, hey, let's make the documentary and it just so happened to be finished in time for the 20th, 25th anniversary? Well, it's very much structured to be part of the 25th anniversary of Kevin's career. Um, like that was, that was, that was absolutely influence because, um, it just made sense, right? Um, it was kind of, um, me and Kevin had seen, uh, I was in Sunday with, uh, with Kevin, uh, I was at his four yoga hoses, and we got invited to a documentary on, uh, Richard Linkwood. And I was like, uh, after watching that, I was like, Kevin, you gotta let me tell the story if it ever comes up. And Kevin was just like, Kevin was not that interested in having a talk. He, he just, he wasn't really, you know what I mean? He, he wasn't that worried about it. But I kind of, um, you know, when the 25th year came, when the 25th anniversary came, it just seemed like a good time. It didn't make sense, timing-wise, to make the talk. You know, uh, the, the, you got, one of the, one of the things that you touched upon in the documentary itself was that the film auction for Red State, and then Kevin basically gives the entire industry the finger and goes, no, I'm distributing it myself, taking it on an old school road, road show. Like, how so, you were you were his friend at the time and knew what was going on. Like when you see your friend basically go and give the entire industry the finger, it's like, well, you didn't like me after my second movie anyway, so screw you guys. You know, like how does that make you? Feel? Like, that's pretty punk rock. I was on the stage when it happened. Like I was literally just up. That hockey stick that he was carrying, I literally. Like, I was the one who acquired that form. Like, I was very much part of that punk rock moment. Like, you know, Kevin talked about it a lot. It was, um, it was great. Like, the, the Kevin's always been pretty fearless. Kevin's a very, Kevin's ferociously independent. Like, people fucking throw that word around ridiculously. Kevin is ferocious. Kevin is the most independent filmmaker working. Like, he truly 
Um, he's maintained his independence. So that moment um, with Red State, I mean, it's such, it's such a, I mean, it, it, it's the same thing as when Kevin went, like, you know, Kevin went after the press. Like, people didn't really understand what he was saying. Like, Kevin went after the press because the press broke his heart. Right. Like, essentially, like, Kevin had, Kevin probably had a dialogue with the press. Um, like, not, not, not like, a, basically a, a mutual communication. Um, you know, it wasn't like he didn't feel that, um, he controlled them or anything, but he felt that there was a dialogue mm-hmm. with the press. And then when he got kicked off that fucking plane, they just went at him. They just pulled up the knives and were just like, okay, we're going to cut you. Like, we're going to be so fucking cool. And it was so sad. It, it, it broke his heart. Right. He was just kind of like, I thought we were having a dialogue. Like, he could take criticism, but this was just like, fatty, fatty, fat, fat. It was just like, it was so cool. Um, that it, it broke his heart. So he basically came back from that. He's like, fuck journalists. Like, fuck you all. Um, you know, he came back from that, but he came from a position of being really hurt. Right. And I think the industry, I think that it's been very complicated for him. Like, you know, I mean, Red State came off of, you know, Zach and Mary Coppola. Um, you know, Coppola was a movie that fucking, like, you know, got beat up far worse than it ever deserved to. But Coppola is fine. It's not great. Right. Um, the funny thing about Cop Out is it's like, like, I remember reading that script and I was just like, and it, that, that script was shit hot. Uh, and I was just like, there's a lot of plot here. Like, Cop Out was like, there was so much fucking plot in that movie. I was just like, just fucking put like Willis and fucking Morgan in a room together. Like that's all that movie needs to be. But it was a very plot, but like, I don't know if you've seen Cop Out recently, but, um, Tracy Morgan is fucking great in that movie. And, um, what's his face? Um, from American Pie. Uh, Stifler. Okay. Oh, uh, Sean Scott in Cop Out is fucking brilliant. Priceless. But, like, that's the thing. Like, Kevin, like, that punk rock moment came for a part in his career where he literally... You know, he made a movie with Warner Brothers. He made a movie with, like, Seth Rogen. He kind of tasted the high, and he was just kind of, he was fed up with it all. Right. He just, he, he was just, he was done. He, you know, he fucking trashed his way to the Weinstein. Um, he was, you know, he just got sick of Harvey's bullshit. Right. Um, and then, like, and he just went on his own. So it was interesting. It was an interesting time for Kevin, and I think that, like, um, but he's fearless. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker's fearless. Uh, and you have to get credit. Like he, Kevin is willing to burn down the village and rebuild it if he feels that it's not right for him. Like Kevin's not, um, and not in a petulant way, not in a response. Like Kevin is one of the most responsible people when it, like fiscally responsible. I've never seen a director care more about the bottom line and making sure the investors get their money back. That's awesome, like, man. he is so, he is so fiscally responsible. Um, and it, it's very impressive. Like, Kevin is not that guy. Like, Kevin got paid less. Like, the things that Kevin made comments. Like, the, the, here's something I wish that I talked about in the documentary, but Kevin wouldn't talk about it because he's humble. Kevin got paid less for making Coppola than probably he got paid for making a movie since Clark. Kevin didn't make Coppola for the money. Kevin made Coppola to make a movie with Bruce Willis. Like, that was, 
Like Kevin used some of his own. Kevin put back some of his. Kevin put, put back some of his own fucking salary into a Warner Brothers movie. Wow. Like, like, but, like, but Kevin just wanted to make a fucking like Kevin was really into making that movie, and Bruce Willis broke his heart, um, which was so sad. But it was just like Kevin just wanted to make a Bruce Willis movie. Kevin wanted to make one of those like, you know, one of those eighties like, you know, um. Eight hour Beverly Cop, like it's so much that he used like well, Faltermeyer as the did the score. Like he was so like he had such he had such a he knew what he wanted to do with that movie, and Bruce Willis wouldn't let him do it. And it was it was such an interesting um, it was such an interesting back and forth. It was such an interesting like Bruce Willis literally. Wanted to hurt Kevin. Like he wanted to basically ruin Kevin's vision, just to be an asshole. Like it was, it was fascinating to watch because I got along well with Bruce Willis. Like Bruce Willis was very nice to me. Um, like I was on side. Like basically, I was like I was on top of all the time. But fucking Kevin and Bruce, like like Kevin, like Kevin wanted like John McClane. Kevin wanted you know what's his face and Moonlighting. He wanted that charming Bruce. And Bruce felt like, he's like, well, I, I don't want to give that. Like, you know what I mean? Uh. And it was fascinating. And then when you have an actor that big, as Bruce Willis, like, decide that they're just going to fucking sabotage shit. By the way, sabotage is a harsh word. He's just not going to play ball. It just becomes a black hole that everything gets sucked into. So Kevin's vision for this movie just gets sucked into the black hole that is Bruce Willis. And it's just so sad to watch because the original concept of Papa was so fascinating. And, um, just to be this 80s retread, like, it would have been, it could have been, it could have been great. Like, Kevin really went into that. And he did it. funny thing is, he didn't get fucking paid mass dollars to make Papa. Like, that's, that's the funny thing about Papa. I don't know how we end up jogging with Papa. It's all right, man. All right, so let's pitch, let's pitch this then. Since we get Jay and Silent Bob reboot, what about Cop Out reboot, but now with Jean-Claude Van Damme? Who wants that? Kevin doesn't want to reboot the Cop Out. Like, Cop Out is a sore issue with Kevin because it could have, like, it's just like, it's too bad. Mm -hmm. It's just too bad. That that movie could have been something it's not. And it just, like, it breaks my heart just just, just to know the intentions going into making that. Like Kevin was thrilled to death to make Coppola. He was so excited. He had, he, he literally had a great, like, he had a really great plan. He had a great idea. And he just got crushed by just a miserable fucking Bruce Willis. No, that's unfortunate, but I'm, I'm glad that he's happy, healthy, and successful at this point. And he got the middle finger to the press that was making all the fat jokes about him because he lost 120 pounds. And there you go. I mean, saying, I mean, he didn't do it at a point. He did it to save his life. But yeah, I mean, he's one now, like, you know, Kevin's like, look, Kevin's happier now than he's ever been. Like, he's, he's, he's got nothing to prove anymore. Right. Not that that's why he lived his life, but essentially, like, Kevin's just being good. Kevin's just happy being Kevin. Kevin wakes up and he's Kevin Smith. Like, you know what I mean? He's, he's earned his place. Uh, he's happy where he is. Uh, he's not fighting to kind of, you know, he's not fighting for a piece of it. He's he's happy with what he has, and he just wants to, 
he's very happy to keep the communication going with the fans that he has. Um, and that's it. Like, he's, he's so, um, he's so respectful and happy and appreciative of the fans that he has. And he just basically, he likes to, you know, he likes to play with that. He's got a sandbox and he loves to play in it. And he appreciates it. You know, there's one thing that you touched on in the documentary that I actually really, really appreciate. Um, you know, Ke- Kevin grew up Catholic, was a very faithful Catholic, uh, and his conversation with Carlin, where Carlin looks at him and goes, you still believe this, don't you? And Kevin just kind of looks at him sheepishly and goes, yeah. And it's like having, you know, having still retained his faith through this industry, whether he publicizes it or not, is still a part of the influence of his career. That was a really confusing aspect of Kevin. Like, he was, like, cause I was a Catholic boy, but I, I lost that when I was, you know, I think before I hit my teens. Like, you know, I, I believe, I, you know, I, I believe that, you know, I stopped believing in Jesus the same time I stopped believing in Santa Claus. Um, but, like, some people have stopped a little harder. And, I mean, there's nothing wrong, like, like faith isn't, like, my father was a very much man of faith. It was very weird that Kevin was, it was very weird to me, a peer that was so, um, devout. Like, cause Kevin, like, would go to church, like, Kevin was, Kevin was, like, when I met Kevin, like, Kevin, of course, was still a churchgoer. Like, it was weird. Very weird. It, it's just rare in the industry that you'll find something like that, so I, I do like that you touched upon that in the documentary. Yeah. There, there, I mean, you know, I mean, like, Faith is a weird thing, but Kevin, like, you know, I mean, like, it made dogma. I mean, again, like, it's just, like, faith is an interesting thing. Uh, there's one thing I, I never got a chance to ask Kevin, and maybe you can shine a light on this. The quick stop. Okay. Did he ever buy it himself the way Randall was talking no. about it in Clerks 2? No. Okay. He didn't buy it. Uh, I think, I mean, I don't think, I don't think, I, I think, I, you know what, he will one day. Mm-hmm. He'll own that, uh, he'll own it one day. I think that, you know, the people who own it, I don't think are interested in selling it. It's the same people that he worked for, uh, you know, when he did Clerks. Um, the same people on it. It's literally the same people. But I mean, he's doing something in that building and stuff, but no. He, I think he'll own it one day. Like, if it ever goes up for sale, he'll buy it. For sure. Yeah, like, I didn't know like, he, 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 he bought it or not. He might have. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't, like, I don't know if he did. Um, but, like, I mean, he feels very cash in that building. Like, it, it's become kind of a New Jersey landmark. I mean, you know, when people b- pull up, like you showed in the documentary, framed, uh, framed, uh, you know, icons essentially of, of the quick stop sign to get Kevin to sign it and stuff. I mean, that, that's intriguing itself. Like, people make a pilgrimage to go to that quick stop in Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's literally, it's, it's a, it's, it's a bird, it's, it's a smaller version. Jersey style Graceland. Oh man, I love that. That's that's the pullout quote right there. It's a Jersey. It's a miniature Jersey style Graceland. Um, it is. He, well, you as a filmmaker and as a friend, what is the difficulty in telling a story about your friend? Yeah, because there has to be certain things that like the public wasn't privy to that you were. They were like, "Oh, this would be great," but uh, you know, I don't want to jeopardize their image, let's say. He doesn't have that. Like, that's Kevin 
Kevin lives in public. Kevin can't get away with being that. Like, Kevin can't be a scoundrel. He's too public. Like, that's the thing about Kevin. Like, there's nothing, like, there's no, like, my argument with people were just kind of like, uh, you know, I'm reading reviews, people are like, well, there's nothing new. It's just like, well, Kevin lives in public. Like, and, and, and uh, Kevin's not a mystery to solve. Kevin's very open about everything. He has to be. So Kevin, like, Kevin is so known and out there, like, there's no secret. Like, it's all out there. And, like, for me, it was all about compiling it all together in a nice package for people to kind of watch. But this documentary was never going to be revelatory because, like, there's nothing, there's, there's, like, there's not, there's not all the dirt. But again, the, the dirtiest thing is more by connection than anything he's been involved with. Like, Harvey Weinstein is, is you know, as dark as a cat. Yeah. And, and with Kevin, like, he, he wasn't involved in that Um, you know, there are people that are bothered with the fact that, like, not that he's an open book, but that his image is actually clean and legitimately clean. Um, what do you say to those people that have a problem with that because he doesn't necessarily have more than one or two skeletons hanging in the closet? I mean, like, you know, maybe look in themselves and look at their own fucking, I don't know, it's just like, I mean, I got skeletons, like, I, like, I got, I got a ton of skeletons in my closet. Like, I couldn't, like, I, I don't, like, but I don't lead a public life. I lead a private life. Um, but I think it's a choice you make. I think that if you're going to lead a public life, you have to recognize that you can't really, you can't be a speedy fuck because it'll catch up with you. Right. Um, you know, I, mean? so I, I do have to ask this just because people will wonder. I love, I love South by Southwest. This is the rock and roll. Film What's that? Yes, sir. You know, it may <laughs> I'm sorry. I missed that part. This has to be the last one because I gotta jump. Like, yeah, no I'd gladly talk to you again or whatever, but I, I gotta jump. But I'm happy to answer, and I don't mean to be a tech, but you got me on a schedule. No problem, man. Uh, you'll just have to tell me the website where we can find everything and the social media stuff uh, after I ask this question. Since South by is the rock and roll Absolutely. film festival, and this fits the South by narrative in the way they tell stories, but Sundance is what launched his career. Why South by and not Sundance? I prefer South by to Sundance. Uh, South by has been, um, South by has kind of been, is my festival. Um, it, it like, it's like me, like, draw, my first movie, Drawing Flies, the Kevin Finance premiered at South by in 97. Uh, so, Chase Amy played there as well. Um, I, I, I have a, I have a real connection at festival. Uh, I, Sundance is a film festival in a snowstorm. I, I, I'm not, like, I, I'm so privileged that I went there. I'm so happy. That, you know, I have that experience. Uh, it's not, you know, I think it's every filmmaker, like, it's, it, that's the dream, but, you know, it's, Sundance isn't the only film festival in town. And this movie, especially Janet's connection to the subject, and like, it wasn't like favoritism, like, Janet wasn't like, yeah, come and play your movie. We had to go through, we had to submit like everybody else. I would have liked to have seen more favoritism for fucking stuff. <laughs> They, no, but we, you know, they, we had to go through the process like everybody else and, and we submitted and, and, you know, we had to wait to hear and all that kind of stuff, but it was worth it. Like it, you know, but like anybody who thinks that like we just got, you know, it's, and it's not like we got to choose. Like it's not like, well, I mean, you know, every film, it's just like, look, 
mean, you know, it's, it's a very competitive world out there, and you submit, and you hope that, you know, it connects. And programming changes from year to year. It all depends what, like, programmers have themes. Like, they have things they want to say in the programming, and sometimes your shit doesn't fit. Right. And, like, this year, we didn't even submit this, you know, it's just like, stuff I just didn't make the most of it. So that's where we kind of, we, we put our, we put our chips down on, on stuff. And then, you know, I'm very happy about it. It's a great festival and I love it. And it was, you know, it was a privilege to take you there. Well, this is one of my, one of my favorite festivals, South by Southwest world premiere clerk, Malcolm Ingram. Thank you so much for your time, man. You know, we'll chat again. Where can we find you on social medias and, and the website before I let you go? You can find, uh, I'm on Twitter, like Malcolm Ingram, all Malcolm Ingram all the time. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time. And again, it's premiering Thanks. right now on at South by Southwest virtually, so catch the flick when you can. Thank you so much, brother. I'll talk to you later. You got it. Rock and roll!